Welcome back, everybody. War Room, the Hockey Podcast. This week we are episode 73. Um, as you can, I'm sure, tell by the title of the episode, uh, we are on Zoom this week as we are not in person in the, or in the same area, in the same studio. Um, a lot of updates coming for you as well. Um, War Room, the Hockey Podcast, among, among the podcasts that I do, uh, is focusing on developing a newer studio, if you will, uh, where we will also begin, once that studio is up and running, we will also begin uh, video podcasts, so we'll begin filming our episodes as well as recording them. Uh, you'll see a little bit, a little snippet of that here um, today, uh, as of this uh, recording, as of the recording of the intro and outro, because again, uh, a little uh, note to everybody, uh, the audio for for the episode via zoom the conversation um was done at a different time uh intro and outro to get the episode out this week uh, is done on a different day so uh, as of the recording of the intro and outro of this episode you will also see um a little promo video if you will that i'm doing of myself um on video um for Facebook and Instagram to kind of plug War Room amongst the other podcasts as well. So you'll see a little bit of that. You'll see my pretty face, and you'll also see uh, the home studio setup uh, that I have, which is, again, nothing fancy, but uh, it does the job for us with War Room. Uh, we enjoy it. We love it. And um, so it really doesn't matter what the studio looks like. So look for that. Warm Hockey Podcast, episode 73 this week. Before anything, head to Instagram, Facebook, hit the like button, uh, follow us there. Make sure you uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you rate and review. Uh, those are the big ones, ratings and reviews. And make sure you um, settle in. Episode 73 this week, we are discussing... A number of topics, um, not the least of which uh, being uh, the John Tortorella, Pierre-Luc Dubois situation uh, that takes up uh, a good amount of time this week in our discussion. So, War Room Hockey Podcast, episode 73, a uh, number of topics and a number of things discussed. Pierre-Luc Dubois and John Tortorella, one of the main ones. So, please settle in. War Room Hockey Podcast, episode 73. almost at that point uh, where we get to every year that if you're in, you're in right now. And, and by statistically 85% of the time by U S Thanksgiving, if you're in the playoffs, you stay in the playoffs. And if you're not, you don't. Um, right now we're coming up to that point. We're coming up to the roughly 10 game mark for some teams. Uh, obviously that's odd because some teams have played very little because of COVID protocol. But I think that right now, if you look down the standings, Evan, you're going to see that the teams that are in are, are expected to be in and the ones that are not are not. We got, we nailed the West because the four teams in right now are Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, and Anaheim, which is exactly what we said. 
uh, let's see, in the central, we've got uh, right now the teams in are, are a little out of whack because Tampa is not, but we've got Dallas, Columbus, Nashville, and Chicago. Tampa will be there, rest assured, and possibly Carolina, who's played very few games. The East is uh, right according to the script. Washington, Boston, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh. And the North, which is a little bit odd, is still holding serve for the most part. That's Toronto, Montreal at the top. Winnipeg should end up in the playoffs. And then Edmonton, Calgary are right now on the outside looking in, but they should be the teams that will compete for that fourth spot. Anyway, a lot of it depends on injuries. Uh, when we have some updates there, including David Pasternak. Yep. Uh, the one that's interesting for me, and they're not in the playoffs right now, but it, it's interesting for me and whether it's sustainable is Minnesota and what, and how well they've been playing. And um, there's not, there's not as much separation. Um, you know, the definitions better than I do um, on whether it is parody or not parody but there's not as much separation in today's nhl as there was 15 or 20 years ago between no. first and last place so um to say you know to say that a team is rebuilding but could very well be there um is quite possible um especially when you look at a lineup like the ottawa senators or um even the LA Kings and their pipeline or anything like that um, on paper, they shouldn't be there, but it makes it interesting with Minnesota uh, who is in the same boat, in my opinion, as as um, Chicago or LA or even San Jose or Ottawa or anything like that. But yet, yes, they are on the outside looking in at this point, but they are four and two. And, they're, and they've played pretty decent hockey through six games. So I don't know. To me, to me, I don't know if it's sustainable. That's all I'm saying. I have. There's something that's occurred to me every every time that I've watched anyone play this year, and it. I think it. This is going to sound stupid because this may be the oldest. Uh, this may be the oldest cliche in in hockey, but when you see a team, like I, I saw Ottawa beat the Maple Leafs early in the season, I think second night, uh, second night of the season for both teams, they just outworked them at every possible turn, everywhere you looked. Minnesota is doing the same thing. When they, most nights, they are the hardest working team on the ice. It overcomes skill every time. Look no further than teams like the Maple Leafs, it just works. And when you see, you see it in the West when great teams are, are upset. Colorado got beat the other night pretty handily by the Kings. The Kings just outplayed them in, for the most part. And yes, you get a bounce here and a bounce there and a, and a ticky-tack penalty or a crossbar. But when you honestly, objectively look at how a game is played, it's almost inevitable, regardless of the standings, the hardest working team wins. There are, as far as sustainability, 
There are some things that you've got to look at, though. If you're going to be reasonable about your team's chances or any team's chances, and I look at Calgary as being extremely fragile if anything happens to Jacob Markstrom. I, I, he has played lights out. He's he's probably kept them there. They're two, two, and one in five games, and they could easily be 0 and 5 if Markstrom was not pretty much out of his mind. And I think they've had four own goals on him so far. So that's fragile. I, I really believe that a team like Minnesota is not ready. I think they're too fragile based on goaltending and bounces uh, to stay in there for 56 games. So good point. Plus, you know. Kachuk kind of proved how easy you can get into the minds of the flames a little bit the other night. Um, but it is, it is to say that um, when you build your team around one or two guys, that's not going to last, um, whether it be a goaltender or not. And, you know, Toronto was in that boat the past few years. Yeah. Um, you could argue now um, they've added depth They've added Thornton and Simmons and Bogosian, uh, TJ Brody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they've got oh, pretty decent goaltending if they're healthy in, in Freddie and um, Campbell. Yeah. Um, you know, so you could argue that they've, they've adapted and they've made the necessary change. A few years ago, the Avalanche were in the boat with trying to build around nobody but Nathan McKinnon and paper over it with Jerome Aginla and nothing against Aginla, but you can't do that if you want sustainability. And now you look at the avalanche now and, and, and it's a deeper conversation because through six games, some decisions have been made by the coaching staff that I can't necessarily agree with, but for the most part, they've got the depth now that can, sustain you over 56 82 games plus three or four playoff rounds so there is a difference there in sustainability and so in regards to teams like minnesota uh la um even san jose chicago um, even ottawa the sustainability to me is just not there when like ottawa for example Tremendous, tremendous youth, tremendous lineup, tremendous future. Um, Pierre Dorian has taken a, a page out of Joe Sackick's playbook, and he has he has started to build a tremendous, tremendous organization and a tremendous hockey team. And if done right, like it looks like it is, Ottawa's going to have the next ten or twelve years of tremendous success. Um, and you can only you can only debate and speculate on the number of Stanley Cups. Um, right now, they don't have to me. They don't have the sustainability like a Minnesota, just on the basis that that your biggest veteran presence is Matt Murray, right, or um, Ron Hainsey or somebody like that. And those are tremendous locker room guys. But to rely on them for sixty minutes to win you hockey games won't won't last you bring you bring up a lot of good points all in one paragraph there um first of all yes every team needs good guys in the dressing room but give me good guys on the ice <laughs> and yes the dressing room is important but I'll, I'll take the good guys on the ice uh 
as far as depth is concerned, you know, we talk about it constantly, the teams with depth. Last year with Colorado, it was goaltending depth that was exposed by injury. Uh, Toronto doesn't have the depth year on year. Montreal and Toronto and the Flyers have all added that depth. And we go back to Montreal, and I stand by my prediction at the outset of the season, they're going to be one of the last teams standing unless catastrophe strikes, go to Vegas and put some money on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but they added a lot of depth at the right places, but they also added width, right? So they added to Foley, they added Josh Anderson, they added Joel Edmondson. Like, this is a big, nasty, heavy, rough team now that can play any kind of style you want. Great goaltending. I love what they did there in the span of two years. I like what the Maple Leafs have done. They're going to have their hands full getting out of the north with Montreal. Uh, sustainability, you're you're bang on, uh, and and you've got to be able to you've got to be able to hold that up. And the only way to do it is with depth. And the bigger and heavier you are, the better your depth lasts. I got to I got to say, Pat Kane hasn't missed a night of work in about five years, and. Over his career, he's had one broken collarbone, and other than that, I believe he's played 82 games. And and he's just a, you know, he's still the size he was when he came out of London at five eight or five nine. He's um, I gotta gotta salute the guy. Dave Pasternak is supposed to be healthy within the next week or two. Uh, by the time this drops and we get another game under our belt, he may be making a comeback uh, from his injury, which is going to change the East altogether. And based on depth, that was the exposure of Boston. Without Pasternak, without that top line intact, they were not, they, they're four and one, but they were not playing all that well. That depth was exposed. And then you lose Chara and Krug on the back end, and I did not like them at all. Now with Pasternak back, they could be as good as anybody in the East again if they get goaltending. But, boy, you just, you, you hit Several points, uh, absolutely bang on. And if you don't mind me rambling for a minute, Kachuk, you brought him up. He, again, I'll say it uh, every time. Love the guy. Love the guy's game. He's a skilled player. He's a rough, difficult guy to play against. Um, they had the incident with the Maple Leafs the other night where he jumped on Jack Campbell uh, with his knees while Campbell was face down, I don't, it doesn't matter what Jeff Ward or Kachuk said. It was clear that he did that on purpose. That was the accidentally on purpose play. No problem with it. The referees didn't call it. Of course it was dirty, but he got away with it. So you do whatever you can, you're allowed to do. Then <laughs> game two of the back-to-back, -back, end of the game, the Maple Leafs win. Jake Muzzin lobs a little saucer at Kachuk, who was down in the corner at the time, and Kachuk went ballistic. So it's all fun and games until it happens to me. Now, all of a sudden, somebody's being mean to me. I want to know, and Kachuk made fun of the Maple Leafs when they, when they were irritated by the, the jump on the back of Jack Campbell. I'm, I want everyone to pay attention to what happens. Someone, some point this year, is going to run Jacob Markstrom. 
they're just going to. It might be Zach Cassian, it might be Drew Doughty, it could be anybody. Somebody is going to run over Jacob Markstrom. It's just the natural course of the game being played. And if I'm the Maple Leafs, I go, I go skate by Markstrom after Kachuk jumped on top of Campbell, and I go, if that guy ever comes near Freddie Anderson or comes near my goaltender again, you're not finishing the game. You may not finish the season. I'll take the suspension, but I'm going to skate by you going full blast and knee you right in the head. Tough luck, bud, but get your, put your dog on a leash or you're, you're going to go out feet first. And that's the way you slow that down. And I'm kind of surprised that somebody didn't do that within the Calgary bench because you're going to get someone killed when you play that way. And Brad Marchand gets away with it, and, but Chara got him under control. Chara took him in the room and said, you are going to get our goaltender killed. You're going to get Bergeron killed. Get your shit together. Excuse me. Well, it goes to prove the, the, how fragile the Flames are if they can't do that. You've got to have the type of leaders in the dressing room to know that, yes, this is, a, this is part of the game. Stuff happens. But if you run around like this, and you, you're a hypocrite like this, and you start doing these things, you are going to get somebody hurt, and it's not going to be you. <laughs> right. It's going to be somebody else. Right. So you, I, need to, I need to grab you by the neck, and I need, to, I need to pin you against the wall type of situation until it gets through your head enough. You play physical be your little rat type of type of game. Fine. Yeah. Play your game. But within reason, because if you're not careful, you are going to get somebody hurt. And, exactly. and there's, there's the accidentally on purpose stuff. And then there's throwing temper tantrums the way he did after Muzzin flipped a puck at him. And that type of reaction that proves the hypocrisy, because it's like, you cannot run goaltenders and do things that way. If you're Tom Wilson, you cannot, be a dirty player and headhunt and do these things and then wig out if somebody lobs a puck in your direction. Right. Something's got to give here and you've got to start acting like a, like a professional because our goaltender who we spent 6 million on (laughs) that we're relying on is going to be carried off on a stretcher. If you don't stop. Yep. It's one thing to play hard. It's one thing to go to the net. It's one uh, bump into the goaltender. That's the way the game's played. Take away his vision. Bang into him when you can. Do anything you can. If you can hook his glove or do anything like that. When you jump on the back of a guy who is face first on the ice, when you jump on his back with both knees, then you have to expect something to happen. It might be tomorrow. It might be in April or May. But you've got to be really careful. Now, I mean, yes, they could dress... Zach Ronaldo, uh, you know, there's a lot of things they could do to make their team tougher, but you know, you're not, you're not going far with that mentality. So, uh, Hey, get away with it while you can good on you for being able to do that stuff, but just be careful what you wish for. Cause if that's the way you want the game played, you got more goaltending problems. Maybe you're thinner at goaltending than anybody in the league. So you better, you just better be careful. And it happens Listen, if you don't think that happens in virtually every game, it doesn't so much anymore. But in the days when you could get away with just about anything, 
it happened every night. Hey, take a run at anybody you want. Just be prepared because we're not going to sit still for it. And if you want your little guy to be run, then keep doing what you're doing. You want me to plow over your goaltender? That's fine. I'll do that because uh, I can defend myself. You just keep up, keep up the good work, and I'll, I'll take matters in my own hands. As I used to tell you guys and the referees when I was coaching, if, if the referees don't protect us, we will. Period. Like somebody's going to protect our players. We're not going to go home with a bunch of guys getting hurt. So either you guys protect us or we'll do it. I don't care. We'll lose the game, but I'm not going home with a bunch of guys in casts. Well, those guys, Kachuk and Tom Wilson, are not hiding anything anymore. No. The, this is it, because it's not a. It's not even a different. It's not just a different time, but it's you're all. It's also a different situation than simply I'm going hard to the net and ooh, I just you know quote, happened to bump into your goaltender. This is, this is your goaltender down and all of a sudden, like, a, like a, a soccer guy flopping, I'm just throwing my knees on him. Or, or Tom Wilson, two, 10 seconds after the puck has left, chicken winging some guy. This is, you're not hiding anything at that point. You're not you're not doing it accidentally on purpose at that point. You're, you're doing something in, in a very dirty kind of way that is going to bring some real shit back down on you that's different than just simply, oh, by the way, I went to the net and just happened to trip and, and slid into your goaltender. This is a whole different type of situation. Well, witness Ryan Reeves. So how many, how many people are going to take liberties with Leonard or Fleury or, you know, your skilled guys, your um, uh, Dave Perron or, or back then, um, William Carlson, those guys. Who's, who's going to run those guys knowing that Rebo is sitting a few feet away just ready to hop over the boards and come, come and make you into a stain? Like, it, it's just – that's why the game has to be played that way. And that's one thing I got to say for Tom Wilson, he will protect himself, yeah. but, and, and Ovi is big enough to protect himself. Nobody, nobody takes liberties with Ovechkin, but you can't protect your goaltender. You can't protect everybody on the ice. You can only be the retribution. So it's just something to watch for. I, I just want to be, I want you and me and everybody else. I'm, I know I will be, curious to see what happens not when somebody flips a little muffin at you you know and hits you in the leg pad at the end of the game with Matt Kachuk but when somebody actually takes Johnny Gaudreau and makes a mess out of him or Jake Markstrom or somebody like that but then is it going to be something that you go to the post-game presser and make fun of what are they complaining about this time oh that was just a hockey play yeah, we'll see how much of a hockey play that was when it happens to you, and it will. And then I'll go to the presser and say, "What is Kachuk complaining about this time?" <laughs> exactly. So, but it does create a different. It does create a different topic of. It's great when your stars can defend themselves. Yes, but should they have to? Right. It's a to me. It's a, it's one of those situations where it's great that they can, but should they be in a position where they have to? Well, you certainly meaning, don't meaning like Nathan McKinnon last year in the playoffs ragdolled Christian Fisher <laughs> in the Coyotes. 
Yeah. Proving, proving right there that Nathan McKinnon is capable if, if pushed or in that position that he can, he can stand his ground. Right. But should Nathan McKinnon have to, because at the end of the day, should you have somebody in the lineup that is capable of doing that for Nathan McKinnon so that deeper in the playoffs or later in the regular season, your star player is still on the ice because yeah. if Nathan McKinnon now comes to blows with somebody and breaks a hand or Ovechkin or anything like that. Well, now all of a sudden, yeah, depth is great, but your, your guy, your all-star is nowhere to be found because he's sitting in the press box with a cast. Yep. So I think ultimately yep. the long and short of it is the long and short of it is it's great that guys in today's NHL are able to be all-stars, superstars, and, and come to blows and stand up for themselves and, and play that game. That's great. But should they have to is really all it comes down to. No, and, and you know the answer to that question. Um, like I like a guy like McDavid or McKinnon or Crosby or somebody like that, they, they are of no use to you when they're in the trainer's room or in the press box or even in the penalty box for two and five. So no, you can't have those guys off the ice. That's why successful teams without exception have somebody in the lineup that can handle the, handle the heavier stuff for you. And that's the way, but guys got to be, one thing you've got to be is you've got to be either Pat Kane who is slippery enough to never get hit hard. And he has just got vision and quickness that is unparalleled. But if, if you don't have that kind of feet and vision, then you have to have the kind of size and, uh, and makeup of an Ovechkin or a, a McKinnon or somebody that you, you just don't see McKinnon getting, you know, they know nobody roughs him up because he's stronger than most guys in the league. And he's got the quickness that you can't rush. You can't, you can't uh, pressure him. And with, with all this in mind, and, and I know that all the teams, like there have been a lot of injuries already. Um, but just, I don't know if you want to run through some of the key injuries or not, but there's been, there's been quite a lot. Uh, a guy like Taves come to mind and, and, you know, what he does to Chicago's chances. But when, whenever it's time to move along, I, I do want to spend just a few minutes talking about the Torts and Dubois situation. Well, that's a, that's a deep situation because it's deeper than just one guy's right and one guy's wrong. Um, Absolutely. Um, but real quick on injuries, Pasternak's out, um, could be back, could not. Uh, Taves still out, obviously. Seabrook's still out, um, to name just a few. Uh, the, Av- the Avs just lost Matt Calvert long-term, um, which compared to a Pasternak might not seem significant, but to the depth of the avalanche, that is huge. That is huge. They were missing him in the playoffs last year. And if he, if he is that big of a missing piece last year in the playoffs, I can't begin to imagine what he's, what type of piece he is in a, in a sprint of a 56 game season when you've already struggled the way the avalanche have struggled so far this year. So that's a key one there. Um, Pasternak, Seabrook, Taves, um, to name a few, but Dubois and Tip Torts, um, it is a deeper conversation than you know, one guy right, one guy wrong, or vice versa. Um, 
there it, it is a bit of a situation where it's hard for me to judge Tortorella just because I don't know him. So I can sit back and go, you know, he's just not my kind of coach. But anything beyond that, you know, I can't say much. And or even about Dubois either, you know, you could say, well, you know, he stopped playing, and well, you know, this or that. But you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, personally, I can, I can, if I'm right about my assumptions about Dubois' mindset, I can understand it, uh, just because not every player responds to being yelled and cursed at the way Tortorella likes to motivate. Um, some do, you know, you drop a few F-bombs and say, get your ass in the game, blah, 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 blah. Or, or you're, or you're sitting, sitting and you know, all this stuff and okay, cool. And you go out and score two goals and five and three assists. Okay. Um, some players are not that way. I know I, I wasn't and wouldn't be. And it appears Dubois was not somebody to be motivated like that. Um, so to me, the long and short of that situation is it just, it wasn't going to work. There was an expiration date on that relationship um, just because of that type of thing. So. It, it, look, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up that way because if you're a 22 year old kid who is only beginning to emerge as a real bona fide NHL top line, top six guy like Dubois. And you're making what's his hit four or 5 million bucks. And you can't take a good ass chewing. You know, I'm not okay with that, but, but from the team standpoint, I know last year in the, especially in the playoffs and it, Last year's playoffs, they had a pretty good run. Dubois was first in takeaways. He was first in turnovers created. He was, he was the proverbial dog on a soup bone in the playoffs. He was a menace to play against. Now, what happened between then and now, I can only imagine. There's two things that I'd not, I would never endorse, not just about John Tortorella, but anybody do not take your players to task in public. Tortorella did it to him on the bench. He ripped strips off of him on camera, on the bench, pointing fingers at him, screaming in his ear. And unfortunately, not only are there some players that respond to the carrot as opposed to the whip, but he's got a history of doing this. He did it to Brad Richards in Tampa. He he ran out of rope in Vancouver, and they, they're too classy to say anything, but I guarantee you the Sedin twins got tired of being screamed at to block shots. He did it in Columbus with Bobrovsky and Panarin. I believe he did it in New York with Rick Nash. Like, Torts is a good guy. He's a very good coach. He's a very good person you can't treat your star players that way in in today's national hockey league you cannot treat your star players that way there's very few of them pick one austin matthews nathan mckinnon mcdavid crosby there's a few of them that you might be able to do that to in the coach's room after the game or between periods but if you take a guy and he did it to johnny graham when he when graham was his backup goaltender in tampa you go to the press or you go right on camera and you start 
calling your players' names and getting after guys in the presser and calling individuals out, that belongs behind closed doors. That belongs in the hotel, on the bus, in the coach's room. You cannot get away with that. And it doesn't matter how good of a coach he is. It doesn't matter how good of a guy he is. When when the guys stop playing for you, you are done. It doesn't matter what you know. And one more quick thing on the subject of torts. Here's how you know when a coach, a, a general manager knows before anybody else when a coach has lost his players. Because Dubois, I don't know if he's with Pat Brisson or who he's with, but Dubois' agent, I would bet $1,000 that not long after the last time Tortorella took him to task, Dubois' agent phoned Kekalainen and said, my guy's had enough. We need to make some kind of a deal because my guy's, he's done. He's seen enough of this act. And with one guy, you might be able to get away with it. You might be able to go to the men defenses between the coach and the player. When the GM gets two or three calls from two or three different agents saying, my guys have had it, you either need to make arrangements to move them, we're going to play out our option or whatever, but we're done here. We're done with this guy. We've seen enough. When that happens, the GM knows he's got to start making arrangements to trade the coach or get rid of the coach because you can't trade the players. So Dubois apparently was the only guy so far after Duchesne and Bobrovsky and Panarin that wanted out of Columbus. But I'm just telling you, you he, it doesn't matter if you're right. If the players won't play for you, it, you can be as right as you want. You've got a bunch of guys that sit down in the middle of the road like a stubborn mule and say, I am not playing anymore. Well, it, you know, and I'm not Duchesne's biggest fan, but it's the reason why, why Wah, quote unquote, stepped down in Colorado, you know, because at the time, Sackick wasn't willing to part with Duchesne, right? Still deemed, along with McKinnon, as your core franchise guy so sorry sorry patty you're gone um to me to me though there's a difference between ass chewing and berating every now every now and then a good ass chewing needs to happen for any human being but when it's constant that's being berated and there's a difference between the two especially when it's public and so and not only that, but my final my final comment on on it is that at the end of the day, yeah, he might be Torrell might be a good coach, but you've got to understand that every hockey team is made up of a twenty three man roster, and that's twenty three different personalities. You cannot, you just cannot assume that 23 people are going to have the same personality to where 23 people are going to respond to being yelled at. You have to, and and that's the beauty of, and it's, it's why it's a travesty in my opinion. And, and it's 50% objective and 50% damn right biased. It's a travesty that Jared Bednar has not been named coach of the year to this point. He is a guy that, that takes pride in that in that organization and in that locker room 
of, of un knowing and understanding each personality that he's dealing with. Right. It's why he can, it's why he can publicly in front of cameras have an exchange a year or two ago on the bench with Nathan McKinnon that he did and it not be an issue. But then behind closed doors, have a discussion with Gabe Landeskog and solve this problem. You've got to understand each personality and how to deal with it when the time comes. You cannot just berate people and assume that if that they all be motivated by it. And if they don't, then screw them. That's their problem. You've got to be able to, to adapt and understand that, hey, Evan, Evan Rauer here does not respond to being berated. Talk to him, help him, coach him, work with him, do this and that. Whereas Phil Smith over here, you, you throw a couple curse words at him and, and a finger in his face and all this stuff, and he'll go out and net, net you a hat trick and, and 10 goals in six games. You've got to understand that there's different people. Exactly. So uh, there's a difference, and you know this from, from when you played, there's a difference between playing for your coach and playing in spite of your coach, right? There's a lot of, a lot of guys, and you brought up a long time ago about your, your um, was it your Bantam or I think it was your first year midget team, uh, midget double A team that was winless, but you played for each other and you played for your coach and you never lost respect for one another. And that's the thing. It's it, getting chewed out by your coach, having those desk clearing, lamp throwing affairs in the coach's office that has gone on since the beginning. It will go on forever, but it goes on with the door closed and then it's over. Nobody was tougher on players than Pat Burns, but they loved it. They played for, they played in spite of Ken Hitchcock, in spite of Mike Keenan, in spite of Babcock, because they thought they could win. And in many cases they did, but and, and Torts won a cup in Tampa, good on him for that, but guys will only go so far, and the farther we get into the modern era, into, you know, 2015, 2020, see where we are in, in three or four more years, you, you just can't take, you can't take Matthews and Eichel and guys like that and, and scream at them and point fingers at them on the bench, you just can't, you got to pick your spots, you got to respect them in public. Now, cut their ice time or, or take them into the coach's room between periods and let them have it or whatever you want to do, make them a healthy scratch if you want to, but you just cannot take a guy to task in, in public anymore. By the time he got done chewing Dubois out, social media had already lit it all up. You can't do that stuff and it, do it at your own peril. Because if you do, you're going to lose the player, then you're going to lose the next one and the next one and the next one. And pretty soon guys won't come there and the GM has to say, i got to make a coaching change because I'm tired of my phone ringing with guys wanting to get out of here. So, yes, Torrance was probably right about whatever it was that set this off and he is the coach and you, you're a kid who needs to learn how to play the right way and you should just say, yes, sir, may I please have another and go and back out there and do your job even harder. If you're not that kind of a guy, or if it's the 10th time it's happened in two weeks, you just finally say, he's never going to treat me right. I'm getting nowhere. 
And the coaches say the same thing. So you reach that stalemate. Guess who wins? The player wins. Period. Um, on controversy, do you think there's anything to the claims or the reports around as to why Line A wanted out of Winnipeg? No. And I, the reports that um, that Wheeler and Shifley were, quote, not good leaders and were mistreating line a and bullying line a and all that stuff and i i don't wheeler's never been my favorite guy but i don't see wheeler or shifley treating a teammate that way um i see it being a situation where line a i think was was frustrated that he wasn't as much of the superstar as he wanted to be um in winnipeg and um, therefore twisted it or viewed it as mistreatment. Um, and that just, that's just not the case in my opinion. Um, to me that, to me that comes with depth. Depth means you're, you know, like, um, depth in Toronto or Colorado or somebody means that Matthews or McKinnon, they are the superstars, but it also means that they're the superstar, but also, an integral part of the team, meaning they're not the only ones. Um, and I think Line A wanted the spotlight um, to the point of almost being the only one, and that's just not the case. I, I gotta. I don't know. I don't know Paul Maurice. I don't know. I've never been in that uh, in that environment in Winnipeg at all. I don't know anybody who has who can give us firsthand knowledge. I can tell you from a distance. Shifley and, and Wheeler are not that kind of guy. Mo is not that kind of a coach. Liney started his career by saying that he should have been the number one pick instead of Matthews. So now you've got a guy in Austin Matthews, and here's the contrast. Are you Matthews or Marner, either one. Those guys are killing penalties. They're great defensive players, Selkie-style defensive players. They steal the puck. They block shots. They kill penalties. They, they win face-off plays. They get their hands extremely dirty. Liney wants to skate down the wing and shoot the puck. He's never understood what it takes to this point to be a real plumber of a player. And, and the great players will do both. They'll have the talent of a McKinnon or a Matthews or a McDavid or somebody or a Crosby, but they've got a very hard nose and will play the game all over the ice as hard as they can. They play without the puck as hard or harder as when they have the puck. And if Liney thinks that he was getting bullied and pushed around <laughs> in, in Winnipeg, oh, oh my gosh, I want to pull up a chair. I would, I would give $1,000 to be a mouse in the room when Liney and Torts have had about a month and a half together. Let's revisit this whole Liney thing in mid-March or the 1st of April and see how his ice time and production is and see what kind of headlines are coming out of Columbus because I'd put his career with Torts on an egg timer. Well, I was just going to say, I was just going to ask the rhetorical question of, of – how long, you know, with all the talk of Tortorella, how long before, because Lion A being the type of player he is, do we see Tortorella 
turning him around and turning him into a, that uh, defensive type of player or do, or, or is it going to blow up? And um, I'm leaning toward, I'm leaning toward blowing up. Um, you know, I, I criticize, you know, on that topic, you know, I criticize still to this day, um, Alexander Ovechkin, but credit to Ovechkin for adapting his game a little bit. Absolutely. And becoming a more well-rounded player. Um, and credit Barry Trotz for figuring out how to get to him yep. because Bruce Boudreau couldn't get to him. Dale Hunter couldn't get to him. Barry Trotz figured out how to make Ovechkin a plus 25 or 30 player for the first time in his career. And guess what? They won the Stanley Cup together. Yep. So in the case of Tortorella, I know this is a very unpopular thing to say in, the, in 2021, but I don't think Tortorella is going to be so much angry with him. I think he's going to take him out behind the rink and shoot him. And I, I remember we talked about this when it was a rumor. I said, oh, my gosh. This is going to be nuclear when Tortorella and Liney get together because Torts has you playing one certain way, and that's perfect for Nick Felino and Boone Jenner and Dubinsky and all those guys. Uh, and, and apparently all the defensemen play his way. But there were at least a couple of times when Dubois didn't and Duchesne didn't and Bobrovsky and on down the line, Panarin. So Line is not getting it. And if you don't get it with the, with the tutelage of Maurice and Wheeler and Shifley in Winnipeg, you're not going to get it with Torts. This is not going to end well for anybody. And this kid could end up back in Finland for all I know, but I know that he and Torts are not meant to be together. Um, and this is, this is kind of in a new direction, but it's also – also kind of the similar, not, not similar in the sense of the coach or even the type of player, obviously, but um, based on this mention of the standings at the start, I don't want to say this. Is there, um, do you think, well, I guess, when do you think, or do you think, um, how many more times do the Edmonton Oilers miss the playoffs before McDavid is no longer an oiler. He's a good soldier. And I think he will, I think he'll be okay because Tippett's going to make that team play a certain way. Uh, they miss the playoffs one more time, no playoffs this year. And, and whether he says it publicly or not, he's going to be fed up. He's fed up now. He was fed up two years ago he's now at a point in his career five or six years in where, you know, he's just not going, this isn't going to cut it anymore. And he's untradeable because of his price tag and because of the flat cap, but his level of satisfaction there has gone long ago. He, but he's a good soldier and he'll stick with it. He's got, you know, a great wingman and dry sidle and he's got some good pieces around him. That team's got to gel. They got to gel this year. So, and, you can say and the same thing. You could say the same thing about Eichel and Buffalo. Oh my gosh! Yeah, only worse. I mean, how long, how long? You know, is it after the flat cap situation and everything, or, or, um, but in general, how long until even Eichel is no longer a Sabre? Um, there were some real quiet. There were some whispers about Eichel and Buffalo 
before the season started. If they flunk out of the playoffs again this year, which they are very likely to do, yikes. Hall is on a one-year deal. If they're miserable this year and can't get the goaltending and that team doesn't come together and gel into a contender, Hall will be gone on after his one year, and Eichel's going to start making a lot of noise. And now, I say that with respect to Jack Eichel. He's, he may or may not be the kind of guy who either he or his agent goes public with his frustration, but it's going to be there. And Eichel or, and or his agent will be having meetings with whoever the revolving door GM is in Buffalo come the time. But both of those kids are, are they're fed way up. They're competitive kids. They're at the top of the league. And you can only be miserable for so many years. Well, I, if I'm Taylor Hall, I'm hoping we make the playoffs because I, it, to me it's embarrassing if I'm Taylor Hall to publicly come out and say publicly that I want to win and then signing in Buffalo. Yeah. Well, so, so either somebody fed him, if they missed the playoffs, either somebody fed him a complete pile of BS about Buffalo or he himself completely misread the situation. Either way, if they miss the playoffs and they don't at least compete, maybe it's just me, but I'm embarrassed if I'm Taylor Hall because I, I'm not just because not because of that, but because I publicly came out and said I wanted to win. So now I've publicly voiced that frustration and publicly voiced what I'm looking for, and then I go and voluntarily, under my own choice, choose to sign in Buffalo who up to this point has not shown any real signs of competing. So classic underachievement, classic underachievement. And, and look, I, I think it's silly. I, I respect Taylor Hall, but I think it's silly for anybody to come out and say, I want to win. We just, he really wants to win this. I, I, I love to win that everybody wants to win. You should never, ever, ever put your equipment on. If you don't expect that you're going to win. If you don't want to win, you shouldn't be out there. If you don't expect to win, you shouldn't be out there every night. You have to take the losses. You have to be able to take losses like a man, but you have to expect to win and want to win. So saying that is kind of ridiculous. But when you're going into a situation like in Buffalo, yeah, being a good soldier is one thing. You maybe maybe word it differently. I, I'm, I'm here to help this team turn around and win. That would have been way less ridiculous than to say I'm here because I, I want to win. Anyway, I think you're right about Eichel and about a lot of guys. I mean, look at, um, I mean, there's just plenty of guys out there that you can say, how long can this go on? But yeah. And, and I, I, I suppose up until the off season, I'd have said the same thing about Carey Price mm-hmm. and Carey Price is a very classy, quiet, good soldier kind of an individual. But this is this is his year. I mean, this this year, next year, I think he's um, he's in the catbird seat. Yep. Love those guys, and and like I said at the outset, I love the Flyers. Uh, don't sleep on those guys. Uh, you know what to do out west, and I, I don't want to veer off topic of who's winning and who's getting fed up. But boy, who do you like coming out of the west? I was just gonna say two two things here, and then we'll finish up for this week. But um... Uh, the first being any any 500 teams or close to 500 teams that you that you see that will make the playoffs. 
Well, yeah, there's, there's always going to be. And it, to me, it, to me, it's, it's a kind of a rhetorical question, or at least for some of the teams. Um, but it, it leads into the overall topic of is facing that adversity at any point, a good thing. Um, like Colorado's deemed a cup, not just a contender, but a cup favorite. And they're only one game above 500 through seven, through seven games of the season is, is it safe to assume that Colorado not only will be there at the end of the year for the playoffs? Um, and if so, um, is it a good thing for their cup chances that they're, they're, they're struggling out of the gate, that they're facing this, that they're, they're having to find, you know, some chemistry. They're having to build all this. Um, because you, on that basis, you could argue a few years ago, how many years ago, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks in the year that they won 25 games straight, no real adversity, and then didn't end up really being successful after that. Right. So it creates the idea of, you know, Tampa Bay a few years ago with the success they had 130 some points in the regular season president's trophy. Oh my gosh. And then they get swept by Columbus. So compare the number of number of teams that win a president's cup alongside the teams that win the Stanley cup. And it's very seldom. So, and that's, you know, it's that it goes back to being battle tested, which is a very common thing and having to scrap every night, which is a very common thing to have playoff success. But again, you've got to stay healthy and you've got to have good goaltending. And when you run into a situation last year, like when you, when your team was not healthy and it was your top two goaltenders, that's just not, there's not many teams that can overcome that. The 84 Oilers couldn't have overcome that. So there will be at the end of the year, there are going to be 10 teams that are going to be pretty much playoff locks. There will be the other six, uh, there'll be three or four bubble teams and there'll be another half dozen looking for those last two spots. And that will come down to who works hard every night, who gets goaltending, and who stays healthy. And it's the same every year. So we're not we're not breaking any breaking any ground here. We're just you know kind of regurgitating what everybody already knows. But to to your point, when you look at somebody like Minnesota or Arizona out west, I know they're at least in Arizona's case, they they were going to expect to make it. Tampa Bay is is not going to stay outside the picture in uh, in the central for long. There's, uh, you know, I think Chicago, especially there, is just lucked out a little so far. I mean, they're not. I mean, no disrespect, please. But and the Islanders right now are on the outside of the uh, of the East looking in. I, I think they're going to be they're going to make things real difficult for Boston and Pittsburgh. Yep. As for the North. Again, it's going to be Calgary and Edmonton. Probably Calgary and Edmonton probably looking for that fourth spot. Vancouver has fallen on some real tough times. Um, Ottawa is not ready yet, and Winnipeg is solid enough to probably make it. One one quick question for you, because I'm not following it as closely as you do. Are the Avalanche in a position to go out and replace Matt Calvert right now? Is there a, is there a grinder in their system, or is there a grinder available? that you could trade a conditional third or fourth rounder for that can, that can pick up that role. Like who's, uh, who's out there that you would, that you would take a, a serious look at. Well, 
right now. Or is there somebody in? Or is there somebody in their system? Right now, who they have lined up? Um, taxi squad, but also because the AHL season is a, a week or less from starting um, in their system. Um, just the other, just the other night. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on who they, geez. Um, they had Kiefer Sherwood. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Um, they've also got, um, and it's less a grinder, but they've got Martin Kaut. Um, they've got, uh, they sent him back because the AHL season's starting. So in their system, they've got Logan O'Connor, they got Shane Bowers, um, guys like that in the lineup. They've got Belmar. Um, and I just, let me just also say part of the Okanagan Valley and everything like that. So connection to the V's here, Tyson <laughs> ghost is having himself one hell of a start of the season and it's not on the score sheet. Uh, he had an assist just yet, just the other night, a tremendous assist, but he is having himself. He looks, he looks stronger on the puck than I've seen him. He looks yes. uh, more focused and, and determined uh, than I've seen him. He's something Bednar said um, going into the off season after last year really lit a fire in him. And he is having himself at least through six games, he is having himself a tremendous, tremendous start um, to the point where I would almost argue, and again, anything's possible, but I would almost argue that he's turned himself from a trade rumor asset last year to an integral part of your bottom six this year. I'm glad you brought him up. He's, he, I, I noticed him I, because of a, a guy that uh, is fairly tuned in sent me a text criticizing him. And so I was, I was paying a little more attention than I normally do. And I know that he's been very mediocre for the last year and a half and taken some heat for it and been, you know, on a good night, unnoticeable and just a, a non-factor on a bad night. And I couldn't agree more. I, when I saw him play the other night against um, against LA, he just looked he looked really comfortable. And I don't know if he's gone out in the off season and done a tremendous amount of strength conditioning or what it is he's done. If it's a combination of mental and physical, but he he belongs now. He fully belongs in that middle six somewhere. Well, he does, and it, um, he's playing well enough that he can earn himself into a top six role. But he, but I think it's a mixture of things. I think with Tyson Jost, and anything's possible. So don't guarantee anything. Quote me on anything. But I think he's gone in the off season and he's gotten himself more prepared than he has before. And I also think he wants it more. And then you combine that with the fact that I think he's also getting comfortable and accepting his role more. I think. Um, being a 10th overall draft pick and all these different things. I think it would, I honestly truly believe that up to this point, it was a mixture of things, but he truly th thought or hoped that maybe he wasn't a superstar type of type of talent in the future. And that's not coming to fruition. And I think he's fully accepting now that he is a depth grind type of type of player who can kill penalties you know, he can be on a, a power play unit if you need him, um, but he's accepting his role. And I think accepting that and being comfortable with that has led him into um, 
looking more like he's an actual NHL player. And to your, to your comment, he really does through six games look like he belongs and it's not on point production, but it's just, you notice him when he's out there, whether he's on the score sheet or not, when he's, when his line is out there, when he's doing it, he, you notice number 17 and he looks stronger on the puck. It just the other night, um, yesterday or whenever he carried the puck up the ice end to end and bumped three or four defending players didn't lose the puck once and created a scoring opportunity. He, he, he looks faster. He looks more solid on the puck. He way stronger. He looks a lot stronger and he looks more like he belongs. So I would, I hope that the, the source that you mentioned that seems in tune that criticized him agrees with that, that statement. If he doesn't, um, I would ask you if you know him to listen to this, this episode because, and really maybe take note of that. Um, not that we, not that we're more right than that person, but just there, yeah. there's things with him that that's noticeable from a guy in Summerland, British Columbia on TV, let alone <laughs> at the week every day, seeing Tyson Jost in person. So to me, he's, he looks more like he belongs. And um, I, I think the only, the I only think time you're really wrong. Sorry. I was Go just going to say with Calvert injured, um, with Calvert hurt, I think Jost has earned himself a position to where he gets a, he gets a chance before you go and replace Calvert. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just talking about the style that Calvert plays. The style so, that Calvert plays, I would say, um, if you were able to find a if you were able to find a uh, an Austin Watson, a Colton Sissons, you know, some uh, that kind of a guy, that's. That's what I'm looking for in Matt Calvert. And the problem with Calvert is he's like 5'11 and maybe 190 or 200 or something, maybe six feet, but he plays like he's 6'5. And, and that's and the poor guy can't keep from getting banged up all the time. I'd have to do some research to see the names out there that might be available to replace him. Um, but I do know um, in their lineup, depth wise, but also in their system. Um, Nachushkin's no slouch. No, I, I, he's another one that really catches your eye. And then he's, his shorty. He plays a physical game. Um, yeah. Belmar can do it. Um, and, you know, Kout's proven that he can play a physical game in the, in the time you've seen him. So maybe they can bring from within and get by without him. Uh, they do have the cap space. But I, I got to say, the only thing, the only time that you went wrong on this particular episode is when you said we're not as right as everybody else <laughs> and that's that's the only wrong thing you've said is that if we're not right so just remember that next time yes i I'll, i will try to do that so <laughs> so we got some uh we got some good episodes coming up we got a few stories to tell and uh we're, we're still working on a couple more guests to to bring on and um what else is happening for the next Oh, Next drop or two. Um, well, first, the NHL is doing um, today is today or yesterday, as of this recording. Um, anyway, they are doing um, 
what they call Bell Let's Talk for mental health. Yep. Um, mental health is a deeper conversation than just a quick hit and run type of thing. Oh, yeah. But um, but yeah, we've said it before. Um, if you need help, uh, you need somebody to talk to, then get help, reach out, whether it be to us or somewhere else. Um, it's if you're, time if you're, to remove the stigma around it. Um, yes. Uh, there's to me, there's multiple stigmas with mental health. There's the stigma that, that, um, you're weak. If you, if you talk about it, ridiculous. um, which is ridiculous, but there's also the stigma of if you're dealing with mental health, um, issues, um, that you're excused and this, and this is more touchy, so I won't go deep into it. Um, but the other stigma is that if you suffer from mental health issues, um, you're excused from normal societal things, meaning um, yeah. in today's world, there's a lot of emphasis on, oh, he has anxiety or depression. Oh, he's having a bad day. And it excuses you from being kind of an ass to other people or, you know, whatever else. Uh, so there's multiple stigmas with mental health, ultimately, that, that need to be axed. Um, the most important one being, though, um, that it's weakness. Um, totally. If you're struggling from something or whatever, it's not weakness. Uh, talk about it, whether it be professional, with loved ones, uh, reach out to us, whatever. Um, but it, mental health is an important thing to talk about. And um, there are people you can trust. Yeah, it's an important thing to remove the stigma. And yeah. somewhere, somewhere, wherever it is somewhere, there's at least one person you can trust. So yeah. reach out to that person, those people, and let's remove the stigma um, and, and make it, make it a place. Um, oh, and I hate even mentioning safe places. Um, <laughs> let's make it a place where, where we can communicate with each other um, without canceling each other, without, um, doing any of that without vilifying people for having their feelings or for struggling without doing any of that. Let's make it a place where we can talk and we can rely on each other. Listening is the act of listening is a lost art and, um, everybody's real quick to want to jump to fix things rather than just listen. So that's all I'll say. Well, that's, that's exactly right. It is not weakness. Uh, if you are in need of, someone to talk to. I, I think we can all find someone we can trust. And there are people out there that are eager to help that you may not ever expect. So if you are one of them blessed enough to not need a shoulder, not need help, then pay attention, look around, because there are people in your midst that are likely candidates. So just pay attention, watch for it, watch for the signals. And, and if you don't know what they are, figure it out, do the homework, because we all owe it to each other. And it can happen to anyone. Um, and the stories of redemption are, are fantastic. And there's a lot of them. The stories of tragedy are equally opposite. They're, they're just horrible. And you hate to see it. And, and, and what happens every time uh, someone loses their life or their livelihood or their well-being, we all stand around and go, gosh, I, I had no idea. If, I, if, I, if, if only I had known. 
if oh, she had, if he or she had just spoken up, I'd have dropped everything I was doing at any point. And, and, uh, you know, good on guys like Chris McGrath and, um, Barry Trotz and, and Dave Poyle come to mind for what they did to save, basically save Jordan Tutu's life. Um, and that's a story for another day, but it, yeah, you're right. I'm glad you brought the mental health aspect up because it is this week and, um, and we all owe it to each other. You know, we're in a team sport, we're in a team world. And, uh, so look around you, pay attention to who's in the room with you, pay attention to the people that you run into and, and, uh, make yourself available and you don't have to go up and gaze into everybody's eyes and ask them if they're okay. That's ridiculous. I'm just, listen, pay attention. You make yourself, make it understood that you're one of those people that is not judgmental and that you are willing to help and eager to help. You don't want to let anybody you care about fall into trouble. Yeah. I struggle with mental health awareness stuff. Um, Today is Bellet's talk for the NHL. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I struggle with that. Um, to me, it, and it's there's no comparison to it. Um, mental health is very, very important. It's very serious, um, as opposed to something like, say, Valentine's Day. Um, but, but, but I, I'm going to say that they do compare, at least on the basis of. I struggle with the idea that it requires a holiday or some type of day for you to address it. Um, why? Reminder. That's all. And, and Hey, if that's the case, it is then great. Um, unfortunately though, there's a lot of people out there that do, um, jump to, to, Hey, it's mental health awareness month. Let's be there for each other. Hey, it's bell. Let's talk. And then the next day or whatever, you know, well, that's a good point. Nothing changes. So it's not a one day or a one week or a one month deal. It's, it's paying attention to the people around you every day. You don't have to be the best friend. You don't have to, you don't have to be uh, related. You don't have to be anything uh, too closely. In fact, some people will trust you more if you're not too closely associated. So if you're playing beer league hockey, look around the room, listen, just watch and listen. If you know, you may not always be able to spot it. Even trained people can't always spot it. And and a lot of those who suffer from mental health issues are really, really good at disguising it. So just let everybody know. And don't just don't forget about it when this is over. Don't forget about it tomorrow because it's not Bell Let's Talk Day anymore. Very good point. Thank you. Yep. So let's be there for each other. Uh, reach out. Um, if it takes reaching out to somebody you don't know because you trust them more, because it's easier to to trust them for whatever reason, um, then so be it. But reach out to us or somewhere and talk to somebody. So yes. um, mental health is important. Remove the stigma. Um, in the coming week, um, more hockey to watch, um, different things. Still waiting on an update on when the BCHL season will start up again. Um, yeah. At this point, you'd almost argue that they're just going to not. Um, same with the WHL or anything like that. Um, but more NHL to watch, more more news to come. I'm sure there's more trades and more rumors to happen. Um, but the beauty of how we like to do it, too, is, you know, see how things progress during the week and then have new headlines to talk about. So, um, so yeah, a lot good. to look forward to, though. So it'll be it'll be good. 
I'd like to uh, I'd like to encourage all of our listeners uh, real quickly. Please please hear me on this. We are we're about more than headlines and more than National Hockey League and our our desire to support the grassroots hockey community and support the entire world of hockey, not just not just the big guys, not just the stars. If you have if you or your teammates or your loved ones or your neighbors or your minor hockey association has a story of of comeback, of community teamwork, of of anything that shows what kind of a what kind of a game we all love, let us know. Tell your friends about War Room and look around for stories that will that will illuminate you know, they may be tragic, they may be redeeming, but will illuminate just the kind of people that play our game and the kind of sport we all love. Let us know. And if anybody has that, we would love to have you on. We would love to relay your story or have you on the podcast with us. So uh, these stories don't just happen at the National Hockey League level. They happen everywhere, all the time. And, and the stories of support and all those things just they're out there. If you've, if you have something you'd like to share with us, please let us know. Agreed. So we'll transition here to close things out, but, um, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, I think the Tortorella situation dominated a chunk of that. Um, but yeah, a lot of good stuff, a lot of time sensitive stuff, which is why we did it this week for everybody. Um, and we'll settle in here, um, again in the next couple of days, uh, seeing as we are not, together in person in studio um, for the next little while. Uh, we'll settle in here in the next couple of days via Zoom again and uh, discuss maybe some less time-sensitive stuff and more just hockey topic stuff. Um, but this week, uh, it was good to get some time-sensitive headlines out uh, to the public. So um, thank you for joining on Zoom. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll those that know how, I, how we like to do things when we're on Zoom, I will... Uh, we will be transitioning here to my outro uh, since I'll be doing that here in a second. But uh, thank you for joining on Zoom this week. Um, good pleasure. discussion. And, and remember, just because I am uh, truly a man of the people, bet the, uh, bet the Montreal Canadiens. Yes. So, all right. We are going to transition to closing out. Good episode right. this week. Thanks for joining on Zoom. Thanks for having me. Cheers, bud. Great discussion this week, uh, discussing a number of topics, including uh, not the least of which being Pierre-Luc Dubois and John Torrella. Pierre-Luc Dubois traded to the Winnipeg Jets uh, with a third-round draft pick, and Patrick Laine traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets with Jack Roslovic. Um, it be interesting to see how Patrick Laine adapts and works with John Torrella and vice versa. Uh, both are quarantining at the moment, uh, so... Um, as of this recording, anyway, you still have yet to see either one of them in the lineup with their new teams. Um, but great discussion this week. Uh, thank you to Brad, uh, my dad, no secret at, at this point in our endeavor here, uh, my dad, uh, for joining via Zoom 
this week as we are not in person in studio. Um, Lots to look forward to in the coming week. Uh, Warm the Hockey Podcast, uh, putting out more content for you as well as more uh, more hockey, more NHL. Uh, a lot to a lot to dive dive into and uh, discuss here in the coming week, as well as the coming weeks plural. Um, uh, more trade rumors, uh, the fluctuation in the standings in these new divisions for the 2021 season as well as getting prepared um, before you know it for the expansion draft and uh, the Seattle Kraken so uh, again thank you to dad uh, for joining via zoom uh, warm hockey podcast I'm Evan Rauer. I thank you all for for uh, joining in again. I say it every week. Can't say it enough, though. Our listeners are driving force behind what we do, and we can't thank you enough for your support and for continuing to tune in. Again, make sure you head to Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you like and follow us there. Make sure you head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit the sub- subscribe button. And please, please leave a rating and a review. Uh, those ratings and those reviews are what helps our show continue to grow in the charts on iTunes and Spotify. So make sure you do that. And we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And we look forward to seeing you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers.